thank you for coming back to visit us for episode 70. We apologize for the delay, but sometimes life gets in the way of having fun. But here we are. Or recording, or both. Yeah. Um, but we're back. So, again, thanks for waiting. This episode might be a little shorter than normal. We're going to talk about a couple of emails that we got from readers like yourself. We're going to talk a little bit about a beginner bike option for someone who needs to make a nice long daily commute and kind of our thoughts on that. We're also going to give you some recall news. Um, I successfully installed my Garmin Zumo 660 successfully on my Street Triple. So I want to tell you how that went and give you some tips on that. It took a while. <laughs> Took a little while. I got a bunch of mosquito bites because it was hot in the garage, Aww. but it's okay. It's worth it because oh, we're, we have a trip this weekend. We're gonna ride down up to New York this weekend for just a night and try to ride around in the mountains there. And then I have a little bit of news about the women's sport bike rally, and I have a I want to share with you um, the T-shirt design that I came up or that I hired these people to make me. Oh. So, yeah, I'm excited. I made it for the rally, but I'm gonna. I'm hoping people will want to buy one. I think they're gonna be really neat. So I'm gonna share that. And then Christy has a trip planned, mm -hmm. so maybe she'll tell us about that. Um, so if she passes through your neighborhood, you can like wave or honk or something. Yeah, I'll chuck you a sticker. So let's start with that. Where are you going? When are you getting there? Well, when am I gonna see you? Yeah. When are you gonna be back? <laughs> How long are you gonna stay? When do I? Tell me. <laughs> Uh, that, too many questions. Mark my calendar. Uh, I wasn't taking Mark. notes. Basically, a lot of my trips this year have tanked, and it's really because of other people's involvement <gasps> and, you know, funding and whatnot. And, uh, well, when I plan a trip, the only thing that's going to tank it is uh, access. And, of course, my interview fell through. So... In light of not being able to ride something and write about it, I decided, yeah, you know, a good secondary uh, last minute way to spend 30 days is to do a road trip around the U.S. So 30 days. Hey, my vacations wow. last a month. Well, no, me too. But I, on one time is great. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So my vacation Exciting. concept is to road trip. Up in the direction of Washington, down to Idaho, go through Yellowstone, go over to South Dakota, visit our friends, uh, the clocks, and head out towards Chicago. And there's a really cool zip line in New Hampshire that looked kind of fun. Might be hitting that. <laughs> And because I'm not just limited to stuff on a motorcycle, I would like to do some fun, unusual stuff. So if you happen to have any suggestions along that whole generalized route I'm going to be describing, feel free to hit me up. And from New Hampshire, I uh, needed to make a, a quick stop in, in northern New York, but um, down in New York City, if I can go fast enough um, and maybe cut one of my days somewhere else... I might be able to make the Motorcycle Film Festival in New York, so that'd be fun. Hmm. And then pop down to see you and Sasha Valentine of Cafe Racer XXX. I have a hot date at uh, Overland Expo to 
do a, a slideshow from my trip from last year to uh, India, Nepal, and Bhutan. So if you haven't already considered going to Overland Expo, it's the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th of October. It's in Asheville, North Carolina. And if you're free, stop on by. And I think I will also be giving a presentation in the area unrelated to Overland Expo at some point as well. And then I'm going to pop over to Louisville, Kentucky to grab Jackie and then we're going to head down to Nashville um, mm. probably stop in and see Eva Saad which she doesn't know about this yet and I don't think she listens to the podcast so I have no danger of surprising her but uh, mm. we're going to grab her and then head over to the Barber Vintage Festival which just so happens to be coinciding in the same time frame that I was going to visit the Barber Museum anyway which is like a bucket list for me yeah and after that, head east to Atlanta, stay in Atlanta for a couple of days, visit some friends, and head back down to uh, Florida and eventually wind up at AIM Expo. So that is and generally the plan. Then go home? The upside down you and then fly home. Oh, fly home? Yeah. Oh, oh God. It, the, it's pretty big. I got news for you. There are a lot, like there are definitely, uh, I'd say... More than two-thirds of my day's riding are about 500 miles a day. So yeah, that trip is close to 7,500 to 8,000 miles that I have planned. Hmm. So that's um, it's pretty crazy and ambitious. But, you know, I like a good road trip. Well, this wouldn't be the first, know, things don't... Wouldn't be the first time I've taken, uh, you know, some time off and, and done about 500 miles a day. So... I'm sure you'll make it. I think there's like some iron butt award. I'll have to check. I'm not trying. Yeah, you should check. I'm not trying to get anything iron butt, but if I just happen to get it, I might as well find out what kind of documentation I need to do it. So there you go. I'll be looking that up. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'll be staying with friends and industry folks along the way. And there'll be a couple of days. I think we're all kind of source out a cool spot to stay. And if anyone has any, Really great restaurants, random things to do that I just absolutely have to. I mean, the I think it's in the Berkshires that I saw the, the mm. zip line. It's like, that yeah. looks kind of cool. That would be kind of an interesting thing to, yeah, I'm just going to zip line in the morning, then jump back on the bike and head down to New York City. So podcasts will be on hiatus, maybe. Maybe, maybe. but I'm also looking into, because I have to travel with a laptop, I'm looking into getting a tablet. And the only tablet on the market that I would be looking to getting would be the Surface Pro 3 because it has a USB and also hmm. a, a great deal of memory. So that said, I would get a smaller microphone, have Audacity on the Surface, and I would be able to plug in the mic. So I don't think that we would have an issue provided I can have Wi-Fi. So, um, actually that, all you really need is to be able to have Skype and call me. That's sure. all you really need. But, uh, yeah. even beyond that, I hope to get quite a few interviews along the way. So, um, sure. we'll be, we won't hopefully be completely, uh, without, and, and it's two podcasts. I think we can at least produce some material in that time frame. So, so don't fret. There will be something. I promise. We should talk about that. Cause I have some equipment that you might be better off with than a laptop. 
Well, you don't... I need a laptop anyway. I need the tablet mm. anyway because I need something small. This laptop happens to be uh, bigger than, oh. I think, 15 inches, and I'm just not going to lug around a, a huge laptop like that. But I need a tablet anyway because I need a place to mm. look at photos and post stuff. So I need to take something computer-ish with me. So um, mm. we'll be talking more about that. I think what I'll end up doing, like I did similarly with um, India, was I got a lot of really great feedback on places to go and little cities uh, to venture out to instead of where I'd originally planned. Like I literally mm-hmm. covered this, was planning on covering the same route on the way back when I was planning the Rajasthan trip. So mm-hmm. passing through the same point twice. And mm-hmm. someone chimed in from Instagram, hey, you should check out this place. It's really awesome. And I looked into it and I'm like, wow, wow. Oh, sure, that's just a couple of hundred miles extra. I can do that. You know, it yeah. won't be hitting the same place twice. And coincidentally, the place that I would have hit twice, I wasn't that thrilled with it the first time. So so no love lost there. Fortuitous. And exactly. And it ended up being Very. like the, the best spot of the six-day trip that I made. So I think what I'm going to do is um, loosely post a section of my trip and then have people kind of contribute, hey, you know, a great road or is there a little town that's amazing or, you know, kind mm-hmm. of give me some input if you'd like. So that said, that's my trip. And I also, if you don't follow uh, me on Instagram, it's Motorific Media, one word. And uh, don't forget Gear Chick as well. But um, I just recently posted something about doing a uh, doing presentations across that route as well. So I'll be connecting probably for sure with dealerships in Chicago and Seattle area. But uh, if you happen to know of any places in your town that would accommodate a presentation and I just happened to be traveling through that town that evening, I would be more than happy to uh, you know set something up. I'm free. It's cool. I just like to ride and talk about it. So if you're uh, down to be entertained for 45 minutes to an hour, I could probably use the practice public speaking as well as going through the presentation that I have for Overland Expo. So I'd be more than willing to accommodate. Um, And that's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, funny enough, we talked about this uh, two episodes or maybe one episode ago on the podcast, the Volo Lights. I will be actually testing the Volo like concept uh, on this trip. It was just something I thought of, you know, 7,500 miles in many different states that may or may not see a lot of motorcyclists, you know, a little extra oomph with um, showing people I'm decelerating, showing people I'm on the road, a couple extra lights probably wouldn't be a bad thing. So I, I reached out to Volo Light and they're giving me a unit to evaluate. So I'm really happy about that. And I will actually see them at AIM Expo as well. So If I don't get a chance to meet them, uh, they're based out of San Diego. Before then, I will definitely see them at AIM Expo in October. So that will be a a lot of fun. I forgot what, repeat those dates again. Like, when am I going to see you? AIM Expo Media Day is October 15th, 16th, 17th, and 18th are, Mm -hmm. I believe, the open to the public days. I believe it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It might just be Saturday, Sunday. So then I'll see you like the weekend before, maybe. Yeah, um, you'll be seeing me end of September. 
Make sure it's after the Pope leaves. Because the freeways will all be shut down. Uh, I don't, a lot of them. I'm not going to adjust my schedule for the Pope. <laughs> well, no, just tell me what days you plan yeah. on being here. Because if it overlaps, you need to know where you can and cannot ride in. This is true. Because they're closing some of the major sections of the interstates and a couple of the bridges and stuff. And there's areas where you can't drive through unless you're on a bicycle. Mm. Yep. Or if you live in that area, if you leave, you can't drive back in. Wow. Unless you're on a bicycle or by foot. That's so there's a serious whole, like, lockdown. Yes. So you have to. Do they want to let you ride a bicycle but not a motorcycle because they think they can catch you? We no. I think just for traffic. Like I have a feeling that bikes we we won't motorcycles won't be able to get in just like cars unless you live there. But again, if you come in, mm. you can't go out because you can't get back in again. So if you live in these areas. You're you have to either take the transit or walk to work. Luckily, we live outside of those areas. Oh, how um, long is the Pope lockdown? Well, he comes in on the tw- he's here speaking on the twenty seventh. But the thing is, is they're Uh-oh. prepping all this starting the twenty third or twenty second. So they're going to start the shutdown of bridges and stuff. I think on Friday. There's a website. I'll give it to you, and you can like check out the traffic and the oh, is, updates. Is he done on the twenty seventh? Right, he's speaking okay. on the twenty seventh, and then it'll he leaves that. that night. Um, yeah, oh, well, there we'll, you go. We'll be good because uh, supposedly <laughs> it'll be September twenty eighth that I'm that I'm coming out That's to you. The day after he leaves. Yep. There you Perfect go. Perfect. Timing. Really good timing. Yeah, because yeah, it just sounds bad. Like, I don't work wise. I don't even know how. If, I don't know what what's gonna happen because it'll be really hard for people to get to us because hmm. of the major freeways to get in. Like m- most of the exits will be closed. And, like, if you were taking the subway to work, you had to have um, applied for the lottery to get a SEPTA, a subway ticket for that week. Yeah, to ride the freaking subway. Wow. Yes, because there's there is more lockdown for the Pope than there is for Mm -hmm. the president. Yeah, they're expecting like thousands and thousands of people to come in. So they're limiting things and. It's just crazy. But yeah, good. Okay. So that's Yeah, I'm glad I'll be after. visising you guys after Pope Again. Yeah. If it's before that, just, you know, call me if your dates change and yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. But Yeah, literally my whole perfect travelling schedule is anchored on the fact that I need to be in Asheville Wait. on the first. First of October? Mm-hmm. Where do you think you'll be around September ninth to the fourteenth? Not not uh-huh. at the rally. Well, I know, but I'm gonna be driving back up. That's the thing is on the 9th, I'm oh. going down. And then on the 13th, I'm driving back up. Yeah. Like the 13th, I'll be in like Portland and Seattle. Oh, 13th, you're still on the West. Yeah. Oh, you don't get to the East yeah, till next week. Girlfriend, maybe. it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort doing a you. Fine. Fine. It's not my fault you picked that route. All right. Hey, I picked that route because so it's a little bit better than the wasteland. <laughs> it's in the middle of the country. <laughs> Very true. All right. Well, so speaking of the rally, segue. Yeah. Um, when is that? Final. It's the 11th, September 11th, okay. Friday and Saturday. Bummer. Um, yeah. But the good news is I have my T-shirt graphic. I'm going to email it to you so you can see it. Yes, please. Uh, here we go. Okay. So let me forward this to you i'm going to email it to you um so as part of my sponsorship for the rally well i'm sponsoring the bike night i believe it's saturday night i have to double check it's friday or saturday night so there's a dinner and i'm going to give away some t-shirts 
So I'm only doing a short run because I actually I just can't afford to make a hundred t-shirts. So I'm only going to be making. It's expensive. Like, yeah, it's not. I'm, it's not cheap, and I'm funding it by myself. Oh. So, so the t-shirt is uh, going to be discharge printed, and that means that they bleach the fabric with the color. So it's a more permanent inking process. And it's not just like vinyl paint on your t-shirt that cracks over time and then crumbles, right? When you mm -hmm. wash it. The color is bleached into the cotton. So it's a permanent stain basically on the shirt. And that way, if you wash it a thousand times, the graphic is still as good as it looked the first time. Even though your t-shirt might fade a little bit, the graphic still retains its like punch. So if you have any like vintage... Um, Triumph t-shirts or if you've seen some of the vintage uh, that's the only one I've, I can think of like if you go into a Lucky Jean store they have the Triumph tees or the dealers and you can tell that the colors are a part of the shirt so my shirt's not going to be this as bold as the graphic as you see because the t-shirt's black but the colors are going to be a little lighter so they're not going to be as like the little bike will stand out because there's some white on there, but the arrow is going to be a little bit more subdued and the logo is going to be more subdued. So it's going to be a pretty like subdued print, like not in your face, but just something really like relaxed. Um, I don't know, something more neutral. I was trying to make something that was sporty, but also just motorcycle -y. I mean, you don't have to ride a sport bike to wear this t-shirt. It's just a cute little t-shirt with a sport bike on it, but we'll see. So making some lady ones, going to make, I picked out these black boat neck t-shirts. So it's a scoop. It's not like a high neck, like you're choking, but it's not a deep V down your chest. So it's a nice like in-between top. So um, that way it's like, it's fine if you want to show a little more, but it's not going to totally drop down into your chest so it's should be good um i don't know how much i'm going to sell them for but i need to figure that out and i'll probably post them to sell that weekend because i need to i'm going to give some away and then but I'll, I'll post a photo of it i haven't gotten them printed yet they should be printed up in a couple weeks a few weeks so i'm excited should be neat hopefully they'll turn it i think they'll look i think it's going to look way better than the proof like i think once it's printed it'll look different you know what I mean? So, that should be coming up in a few weeks. Again, the Sport Bike Rally is September 11th to the 13th. Men can come. As long as your woman is the one who registers you, you can absolutely be her guest. Um, you don't have to come by yourself if you don't want to. Um, but I'm going to be solo because my husband is working. And I'm going to spend two days driving down, riding down, and then two days riding back. So leave Wednesday, come back Tuesday. Awesome. So maybe I'll, yeah, I don't know if I see you along the way. Is that Deals Gap? Is that what that is? Yes. Down to the Gap. So the way I'm going to go down is down into Baltimore, uh, Maryland, and then I'm going to go across West Virginia and drop down into Kentucky. Because mm. I've ridden through the chunk of West Virginia, which I like, but I'm going to try to bypass most of it to try to ride more in Kentucky and come down because Kentucky has some crazy roads. Hmm. They look amazing. And yeah. then come back up Tennessee. So to do this successfully, I am going to use my Garmin. 
Mm-hmm. Sad words to hold. <laughs> I made a little post about it. Um, I need to update a little bit more and give you some more details. But I, I installed my Zumo using a RAM mount. They have this awesome um, little way to mount it called a fork stem mount. And for me, it's perfect because uh, my bars are small. I mean, the handlebar is small. There's not a lot of space. I don't have a dashboard. I don't have like a fancy GS with a big instrument panel where I can, you know, mount things. So I'm very limited into where I can put devices. I don't have my phone mounted anywhere, nor do I have any plans to put my phone on the bike. I just want the Garmin on the bike for the navigating Um, because I'll still use my phone to like look things up. But I, I just really need the Zumo to give me the, the directions. Um, and it won't overheat in the sun. The problem with putting your phone out, say in your tank bag, or out right in front of you, if you have no little dash to cover it or anything, is that it'll overheat in the sun, and then it'll tell you to turn itself off. It'll tell you power down, overheating. And so you don't want to overheat your phone. So I'll send you a link to my post about it just posted it this week and you can see the fork stem mount I used it's awesome it just goes right below the triple clamp and it's really clean it's not in the way of my instrument so I can still see my speedo I can still see my tack and all my gauges the angle I took this picture it looks like it's blocking it that's because I'm standing from the side but once I'm on my bike it's perfect Hmm. I do have to look down a little like I have to tilt my helmet down just a hair if I want to see the screen um, so it's not right in front of me, but I'm I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'll pull over if I really need to to look at things. But I routed the um, cable along my throttle cable, basically, and then under the tank. So behind the fork stems, behind the forks, I opened my tank up. I ran the line underneath the tank down to my battery. Done. I did wire it uh, to the battery. So the downside is is if I leave the unit in there um, it'll draw power continuously if I leave it on I might drain my battery Mm. so I have to be really good about taking it off what I'm going to do in the meantime is research how to tap it into my ignition wiring but I don't know how that works so I don't want to mess with that yet I just figured for now on the battery I will figure out how to reroute it to the ignition so that way you know ignition's off power's off Ignition's on, power's on. Cool. For now, it it works anyway, because when you buy the Guzumo, they give you the power cradle. They also give you a ram mount. They give you actually a little fork, um, not a fork, a a handlebar mount um, that you can put it on. And I could have done that, but it was ugly. It just, it stuck out a lot and it was just ugly. So that's why I bought the fork stem ram mount to put it on the fork stem instead of the handlebar. But they give you everything you need out of the box to mount it and power it. And you can power it via USB cable once it's on the bike. Because I thought when I plugged the Garmin into my computer, it went into computer mode. So the Garmin can tell the difference when you're either plugging into a computer with your USB or plugging into the bike. So later, if I want to, I may actually just plug it in Maybe just use the USB cable because then I can just unhook and that doesn't draw power. So we'll see. I need to figure out as I use it what I'm going to do. Um, this weekend we're going to go riding overnight. So I'm going to play with it. But so far, oh, I hooked it up to my Cena. So 
I'm going to update my Cena review uh, to add in how I paired it with the Zumo to give me the directions and all that jazz. So check my review of my Cena SMH10R for that kind of detail. I won't go into that on the podcast, but so far it's working. Get the directions in my ear. I can listen to my music. I can talk to my husband. I can do all the stuff. So all the technology, <laughs> more technology than I need, but I'm hoping this changes the way that I navigate and, and travel. Hopefully it's going to be a lot, a lot easier. That's how I spent my Sunday, Monday. Apologies for the delay. Yeah. What did you do last weekend? Were you go riding? Weren't you somewhere? I did. I did uh, Newcomb's Ranch. Oh, where's that? Oh, um, sounds nice. You know, it's our it's our equivalent. Well, there's also a cool little. It's the Rock Store off the two, basically. <laughs> Okay. The equivalent of the rocks were off the two. And they're running MotoGP, so that was fun. Oh. And seems... on the way up, we uh, had to slow down for uh, an accident because it looked like two sport bikes. One might have come up too close upon the other going around uh, oh. a curve. And so oh. those bikes were pretty much totaled and in a ditch. Um, Ouch. And then when we were departing, the two is pretty infamous for people crashing. When we were departing, there was a helicopter landing in the road, and so they closed the entire freeway. And so whether it was fire-related or whether it was crash-related, I'm not entirely sure, but we had to reroute. And, Mm. of course, the the craziness, I mean, there's really only a couple ways up and down, but the crazy part about having to reroute off the two is that there is no cell service up there. So if you're depending upon mapping programs to get you out of there, you're going to be quite surprised that uh, not exactly going to happen. So that was it. And, of course, I still need to get my bike fixed, so I'm not going to be on it anytime soon. Um, Just because the the brake light, I managed to get Mm. the... I managed to get my rack off cannot get one of the bolts off without using a power tool. It is just infinitely mm. impossible. It's the um, the passenger handles. And that's Ooh. the only way I can remove the tail section is to free up both connections on the passenger handles. And in the process of doing that, the rack had rerouted my tail, my turn signals. So I put them back. And when I screwed in what I thought was the original... BMW screw for the tail for the yeah the um, turn indicators it felt a little loose but not so much so that I didn't think I could get away with it so we went riding and everything was fine and my friend was like oh gosh is your tail section loose and he's like tapping and I'm like no 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 don't touch that and uh, it's fine, it's fine, everything was fine. And the one that he touched was the one that popped out and started dragging. And by the oh. time we noticed it, I had come up to a stop to try to figure out where we were heading after that. And he's like, hey, you're light. And I looked down, and it is covered in rubber. So, holy crap, it was bouncing on the tire because oh. the cord was especially long. The lead on that wire was pretty long. Mm. Um, lead on the light, rather. So... 
I'm just really lucky that nothing worse happened as that thing is bobbing along. So I'm definitely, after that, after we got home, we tethered it to like the, the bar. And when I got home, I'm like, all right, I know I said I was going to go out to lunch with you on this motorcycle. This baby's getting parked and I'm driving because I have no interest in constantly looking behind me to find out whether or not my lights are going to kill me on the freeway. I'm sure they would just disconnect if they got locked in the tire spoke, mm-hmm. but I just don't want to find that out. So uh, that that bike is the bane of my existence, and I'm pretty sure that... <laughs> Wait, the Beamer? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that after <laughs> my trip, I'm going to be looking into getting a different motorcycle. I'm, mm. I'm, a, I'm a little bit done on it, so we'll see how mm. the 30 or 40 like days of riding another motorcycle a, steers uh. me in a direction or not. I'm not going to be running out to get the Africa Twin. It's just a little too much. <laughs> But I would be, you know, I'm I'm down with something that would be um, long distance touring friendly, under a thousand cc's, and I would probably get like a dual, a road worthy dual sport that doesn't even have to be like 650. Like it wouldn't be my long touring bike. Like the BMW has off road potential, obviously, as well as long distance touring. And really, I I would be okay with separating the two if I didn't find something that mm-hmm. satisfied both. I would like an FJ09. Like no, no, no. <laughs> probably I don't know. I mean, we'll no. see how we'll see how that works. It's great, but My yeah, I mean, I could get that. like a WR 250R, like one of those kind of little dual sports that's uh, road worthy that you wouldn't exactly take for like five hours on the freeway. But you right. would take to, like, have a little fun off-road. Dual sport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because at some point, yeah. I'm going to want to get something bigger than the two-stroke 175 that I can take off-road and not panic if I suddenly hit a road situation where I need to be on the highway Yeah. with no plates. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what, what happens with that. But uh, at any rate, BMW parked. I'm going to get it fixed, mm. and then it's going to sit for a while. Um. I guess, like, the next segue, hopefully crashing, is unrelated to any of our experiences, and it's just uh, part of this podcast. There's no great segue for that. Um, Is uh, if you happen to see the Casey Stoner crash at Suzuka 8-Hour, I know it's a little bit old news because it was, you know, back in the end of July, but um, Honda actually came out and said, hey, by the way, Totally sorry we screwed up that throttle. Better luck next time, question mark. Mm. Stoner's return to racing was at the Suzuka 8-Hour Endurance in Japan. And he was on a Honda factory bike. And the Endurance Racing Motorcycles, the CBR1000RR, have a very um, specific throttle um, throttle cable for the endurance segment of the factory bikes. And there was a malfunction that caused it to stick. And sadly, he had a low side. And that course was apparently really terrible to try to find a place to low side cleanly. And so his the video, if you've seen it, is pretty epic. Where It literally looks like he's doing a cartwheel. Like that's how he was ejecting going that fast with a stuck throttle. So fortunately, um, the damage isn't as, as bad as it could have been. He has, I think, a broken shoulder and and whatnot. But um, hopefully he makes a full recovery and has 
some interest in returning to a track <laughs> at some point. Um, that's that definitely not a great way to come back after an absence. Oh God, wouldn't that be neat to see him and Marquez and yeah. Uh, Mar oh, anyway, we don't want to. Yeah. So some other uh, interesting things <laughs> are the uh, there's a KTM 1290 Duke Recon, Super Duke actually, the Super Duke R. And it's been recalled for a fuel leak. So, affected motorcycles, they anticipate it's a little over 600, um, may leak fuel from threaded inserts at the rear of the gas tank. So, obviously, mm -hmm. that is an issue. If you own a 2014 1290 Super Duke R manufactured between July 1st, 2013 to April 30th, 2014, you might want to consider contacting KTM North America or your local dealer. Also, some recalls for Harley-Davidson recalling almost 200,000 motorcycles, touring motorcycles. What? Almost 200,000 touring motorcycles for loose wow. luggage. And if you can believe it, like that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of bikes, right? Yeah, it's, it's not like bikes from 2000 up to like 2015. It actually is almost 200,000 bikes that they cleared between 2014 and 2015. So whether the majority of those are on the showroom floor somewhere or whether people have actually purchased that many bikes um, probably remains to be seen. But if you happen to have, it almost looks like every single one of their bikes with bags, Road King, Street Glide Special, Electric mm. Glide, Street Glide, Police Road King, Ultra Limited, blah, 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 the list goes on. But that's only if you have the... If you have stuck saddlebags. Harley luggage. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Not aftermarket There's stuff. a spring wire in the saddlebag mounting that might not have mm. adequate tension, and it might come, un, you know, undone, might fall off. And uh, I would say, if you don't own a Harley, don't completely tune out from this podcast, because if you happen to see a 2014 or 2015 Harley riding in front of you, with factory saddlebags, you might not want to be behind them because if this <laughs> recall is related to the fact that uh, yeah. that the bags might fall off, you definitely don't want to be on the receiving end of a giant hard case coming your way. Yeah. So um, if you own one, get it looked at. If you don't own one, keep an eye out for these guys on the freeway. Um, and then I think our last tidbit of news is... Uh, British superbike star Jenny Tinmouth um, was in the latest Mission Impossible film. So MI5, she did some of the stunt work on uh, on a BMW S1000RR. Mm -hmm. I I have not seen the movie yet. I want to see the movie. It's good. I don't yeah. know like what the stunt scene was. Do you happen to know? So it started. It starts with a chase, like a car chasing bikes or bikes chasing the cars. Um, well, the bikes are leaving and then the car is following them through a, through town. But then it goes, they leave town and they get on the highway and go out to like mountains, like twisties. Mm -hmm. They end up, yeah, they go from city to twisties and there's some crashing, of course, some bikes, you know, because Tom Cruise is trying to like, you know, take them down or whatever, chase them down. And so, yeah, there's like a lot of swerving through traffic, lane splitting, a lot of high speed riding between cars and then they're on a mountain and there's like they're shooting from the you know from up above um like in a helicopter so you can see down and then of course 
you see the like onboard riding Tom's of course he's squitting on a BMW what's funny is like so all the bad guys get together and they're going to get on these bi their bikes and leave and so they're all dressed they're all in one and two piece suits I think they're in held or BMW suits probably BMW suits but there's no branding on the suits just the bike you know mm -hmm. that bike's a BMW so they're all wearing two piece leathers full face helmets race boots everything and so is she I think she's in a one, I can't remember if she's in a one or two piece. So she's in a real suit, not just the fake Megan Fox crap, like a real one. So they leave and pretty much all the chasing and swerving, I think Jenny's doing all that stunt work. So they're only, I'm pretty sure the actress is only, you know, the close up shots where she's standing next to the bike before she gets on. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, yeah, she's like, basically he's chasing her through the mountains and then there's a big scene at the end. Yes, very exciting. Really good, really good riding chase scene. And um, apparently the stunt coordinator who kind of coordinated and choreographed the whole motorcycle chase scene, um, he had always wanted to make a movie with this kind of chase scene in it. Like we should have a real motorcycle chase scene. It's not just CGI, but real motorcycles actually riding in traffic, chasing each other, and doing all the stuff. And so Tom Cruise is like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> and they got something like 20 S1000s from BMW. And I'm sure they wrecked almost all of them while they were doing it. So You also know I read a story somewhere that said that chasing that he wanted to do was in a Road Racing World article. Oh, Probably. I think that's maybe where it came from. Yeah. I didn't read it. Evan did some Googling and, and he told me like about that. So it, it's a pretty neat scene. It's great. It's really, really cool. Um, yeah, it's it was awesome. It was great. I really, really liked it. And it was just so great to see her wearing a real suit. I just wish I knew what it was, but I have a feeling it was probably BMW suits. But it was all black and white, you know, dark smoke helmets. And it was really neat. It was great. Go see it when you have a chance. Because he has a motorcycle scene in every Mission Impossible movie. Um, but this one was, like, more realistic. You know, if you ride and you're watching it, you can kind of, like, see what they're doing. You know what I mean? It's not ridiculous, like, in Mission Impossible 2 or 1, where they are, like, he's on one and the bad guy's on another. And then they, like, ride toward each other and play chicken. And then the bikes, like, spin in the air. And it's stupid. This is a little bit more. Okay, so a little more specific real. to the road racing connection, <laughs> road racing yeah. world, is that three years ago, Road Racing World did an article on former pro racer Greg, and I don't know how to say his last name because there are no mm -hmm. vowels. It's oh. SMRZ, <laughs> highlighting how he had gone on to be a top stuntman and a stunt coordinator and actually mm -hmm. a second unit director as well. And basically, the article from three years ago played a role in him being hired as stunt coordinator, um, being mm. tasked for uh, Mission Impossible in nice. conceiving, coordinating, and shooting the thrilling motorcycle chase scene. So, uh, interesting. Um, the article ended with, uh, three years ago that is, him saying, I have a whole bag full of ideas that are going to be in another movie that will hopefully be generated from people really liking this one so um at any rate 
nice little uh, little connection from the motorcycle industry. Yeah, it was good. It's very good. We have a chance. Go see it. Oh, and she like the bad, not the bad girl, but the woman, the female character, lead character. She's really great. I really liked her. She did some really cool fight scenes, and she uses some really neat MMA moves. It was great. She was really, she's beautiful too. She's really pretty, and she's not like an MMA fighter like Ronda Rousey. She's just an actress. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she was doing her own stunts, but it looked like she was doing these fight scenes. But she was really cool. I, I liked her. I don't think she's not very well known here. I think she's a European actress, but um, she was great too. It was just good all around. Just. Lovely movie. I'll give it uh, four to five wheelies. <laughs> no wheelies in the movie. Uh, oh, other thing I wanted to share. I finally uh, bought riding jeans. Oh? I I have <gasps> never ever Somebody went jeans. to the dark side? I did. I mean, I've worn jeans a couple times around town, but... I wanted real ones. I mean, I'm still not going to ride on the freeway with these things. These, I just, what I really, what I've always want, I've actually always wanted some riding jeans. The only reason I want them is to ride to dinner. Like, to go from my house to a few neighborhoods away and go meet friends for dinner. You know, that, that's what I've always wanted. So I finally, I actually had to buy, I had to buy men's jeans. <laughs> because... They're the only ones I could find that I, I could live with and wear because all the girl jeans are too low rise. They're all just low, 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 and I can't do it anymore. So I bought these men's Dainese jeans, and they're a slim fit jean. They're called the Bonneville Slims. Now, to be fair, oops, the only reason I can wear these is because I have no ass I have a flat butt. Like, I have nothing back there. So that's why I I actually have a couple of guy jeans in my closet because I'm so straight. I have a straight waist. Uh, if you measure your waist and then you measure your hips, generally I would say if that number, if you if the difference between the two is a good, I'd say no more than nine inches, you're probably pretty proportionate like your hips are probably as wide as your shoulders your booty free is what you're saying yeah like your booty is minimal so i would say if you if that number is under 10 you could probably wear these jeans as well but if you have a bigger ratio you know like a 40 inch hip and a 30 inch or 25 inch waist yeah it's not going to happen but they're (laughs) but they're great i love them (laughs) because i'm so straight that's that's about what i am actually Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard with boy jeans because there's no hip space in any of them, right? Because all guys, they don't have any butt. So all the jeans are made really flat and straight for guys. Um, Because I'm short-waisted, they are high-rise, like mid to high-rise. So I'm never going to wear like a crop top. (laughs) I'm never going to do that. Gosh, you're still a pair of Dainese mom jeans. (laughs) Right, pretty much. Men's jeans that have turned into mom jeans. But that's okay because as soon as I get on the bike and I lean forward, I know I'm covered, and yeah. I know that if I have my jacket on, I'm nothing's going to show. And I'm and the the best part is if I slide, my back, my hips are covered, and that's really for me what's important. It's not the aesthetic, but I want them high enough so if I slid or fell, 
my waist and my hips are, are protected. covered there. Yeah. Or protected. Now, so they're a little high, but... But there's something else that you might not think of that is also important with with having that area between your jacket and your pants covered, and mm-hmm. that is sun. Oh yeah, no, I well, got, no, yeah. I got a sunburn that mm-hmm. was like a sliver when Bummer. the jacket lifted up, and the pants were just a little lower. And I was leaning forward. It was when I was riding that loner bike that was the sportier bike where I was leaning forward. Oh. I did not think about the sun. And so when I got back, I had like a strip burned into my back. Nice. Yep. I mean, I, although, you know, the street triple is not aggr- that aggressive. But I think if, if I were on something like a Daytona, I'd still be covered. I think if I were laying down, it'd still give me great coverage. So I'm really happy about that. The other thing I always, I really wanted was knee armor and hip armor. Like I have to have those in my jeans. Mm-hmm. And um, these have it. They have the pro shape, which is thinner. So it's fine for around town. And then they have little hip pockets that you can put their armor in. The only downside is it only fits their armor, but that's fine. I'm okay with that. But they're great. I like them. They look like regular jeans. They stretched out because they're just, they're actually a heavy cotton with Kevlar panels. So they're not woven with Kevlar and cotton Mm -hmm. like the older Dionese jeans were, which is a shame. However, they do look better. They're just a nice dark blue washed jean like you'd buy at Lucky or something. And they look really good and you can't tell they're boy jeans, which I really like. They're very slim fit. I can barely get my calves through. I don't think I have big calves, but they're kind of hard to get in there sometimes. So, hmm. but I really like them. They're they're great. So I'm going to be wearing those um, to dinner. You know, go get a after. Do you need dinner. a Do you need to lay down on the bed flat and hold a no. pliers to the? Uh, <laughs> no, no, the no, I don't. No, no, okay. because I bought a 28, and um, I'm usually a 27. So they're actually a hair loose, but it's perfect around the waist because they're not so loose that they sag. They're just give me a little extra room. Mm-hmm. They stretched out a lot though, because when I first put them on their button fly, by the way, I could barely button the top button, mm-hmm. but I just wore them for like 20 minutes like that. And they stretched out and then I wore them again, um, all day and they've totally stretched out to where now I can easily, but I can definitely button the top and it's not uncomfortable. So they stretch. I mean, hmm. any cotton-based jean, even with a Kevlar panel, it'll stretch. Well, even mine. I mean, if I toss yeah. mine in the in the dryer, even on a medium-range setting, they get when tight. I put it back on, I'm like, oh, God, i got to lose a couple pounds. And then you, by, like, five, ten minutes later, they fit again. i got to do, do the whole, like, be... you know, uh, squatting thing in the bedroom <laughs> to, like, stretch them out a little bit so I'm not walking around holding my breath while I'm waiting for them to break in again. Well, you also don't want to wash them a lot, right? Because when you wash Kevlar over time, oh, Kevlar. Sure, Kevlar, yeah. absolutely. Um, but yours do. Yours have Kevlar panels. Yeah, I don't wash them a lot. But I'm saying my yeah. regular jeans. Oh, my yeah. My comment yeah, yeah. was putting, like, my regular jeans in the dryer. Yes. I actually uh, have washed... Yeah this pair of jeans maybe twice and both times it was on a very low setting and I did not use a dryer. Yeah. I just hang dry it. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I have some Ryan jeans. I'm excited. I've already worn them twice. 
They're great. We'll post a link to those too for you if you want to check those out. Yeah. Well, we do have um, that reader question, listener question. Oh. Rather. oh, we should do. Yeah, we should definitely quickly cover that one. You want to read that for us? Sure. So I'm not entirely sure if this is her actual name, but we'll just call her Jen. Um, yeah. Jen writes us, hello, ladies. Love the podcast. Just started listening a couple months ago, and now I'm finally caught up. So I can't wait for your new one to come out. I just recently passed my MSF through Harley. We ride and test it on the Street 500. I would love to know what your thoughts are on this bike as a beginner rider. Just a little more info about me. I've never ridden a motorcycle or dirt bike before, so this was my first experience in the driver's seat. I'm five foot two with a 28 and three quarter inch inseam and weigh approximately 140 pounds. I will eventually be looking for a daily commuter to travel on Vasco Highway between Brentwood and Livermore. And I believe that was like uh, 30 miles when I looked it up. Mm -hmm. Any advice is much appreciated and keep up the good work. So she's looking for a bike. As far as the Street 500, you're not going to find those retail. Those are only for MSF, as far as I understand, for Harley at this point. And it's not actually MSF through Harley. It's actually the Harley Riders Program. Like, they have their own program that is maybe sanctioned by MSF, but isn't actually an MSF program. I I think it is an MSF program, because you have to be an MSF certified instructor. Yeah, I know, but they probably, I mean, they probably, like, changed it a little bit. It's not like they have MSF instructors or something. It's it's like... Yes, they do. Yeah? Yeah, they do. My girlfriend teaches in Chicago or Illinois. And she teaches Um, for Harley? mm -hmm, She does both. She does for the state of Illinois, and she also does for Rider's Edge. Hmm. So you you have to be an MSF. Thank you. Yeah. It's an MSF course, but it is, sure, it's it's slightly tweaked for them but no the street 500 you can buy are you sure from harley Mm -hmm, Uh, it's on their website my understanding was that was only for the purpose of their rider's edge training program no it's (laughs) 67.99 on their website yeah remember they released the 500s a while ago and of course they're using it in the the rider's edge program but um no you you can order them online they're 67.99 for vivid black Wow, because initially I remember us color. talking about how they were really? not selling them. Oh, maybe oh, maybe that was preliminary. But I um, maybe they've established case, there's enough interest. It's worthwhile yeah. bringing it over. Um, yeah, because I think there's multiple versions of this. Or am I thinking of the Bolt? Bolt. That has multiple versions. Okay, Bolt. so as far as a beginner bike, sure. It looks like a great beginner bike. It's 500cc. I want to say it's a twin let me just look at it. It has a very low seat height. Um, although I'm, you know, if you've listened to me chatter on about tall bikes and low bike, I'm pretty much indifferent to anything that's lower than a 28 inch seat. Yeah. 28 um, inches is actually the unladen seat height. Yeah. Um, unladen. Oh, no weight. So it's nice for that. I mean, it certainly has more power than like a little 200, I would think to get you on that commute um it's heavy for a five well it's 455 pounds which mm, i think is well it is a cruiser so actually for a cruiser it's pretty mm, late wet's 489 a, actually yeah that, that's 
mm-hmm. light for a cruiser. Yeah. That's heavy because on a if you bought like a Ninja 500, which would be the equivalent I think in the sporty class, mm-hmm. that bike is like 400 wet. Yeah, it's a lot lighter. So sure, uh, cruisers are it, always going to be heavier because they're not yeah. looking to like go fast. Mm-hmm. So you're not looking to right. curb your weight any chance you can with different parts. No. But I'm trying to see, like, power-wise, like, here's the thing. For, say, Christy and I, if we had your commute, which I think realistically you're looking at more like 45 minutes because of traffic Mm -hmm. there in that corridor, a 500 wouldn't cut it for me and you because it's just not enough stability and power. I would be uncomfortable. I need more power to, to ride for that long and that kind of haul on the flats. A 500 twin for me wouldn't be enough. That's where I want it. A bigger engine but i think as a new rider it's plenty i wouldn't be surprised if in a year you decided you actually want a more stable bike with a bigger windscreen with more fairing to buffet the wind because vasco road is out in a huge valley it's a big flat open space so when it gets windy from the last time i remember riding it it gets windy and so you're blowing around there quite a bit I mean, the good thing is when you don't have a windscreen or fairing, the wind almost, it's weird. It's like it almost doesn't affect you as much. Like, I can't explain it. But that's just something to think about is that it's going to be windier there. You may end up wanting a bigger bike after a year of of riding on it. Um, But it it certainly has to do with personal comfort. I'd say as a new rider, you'll probably be just fine on that 500 for a little while on that kind of commute. Um, personally, I would never, I could, I could never have attempted a commute like that right after taking my class. Like I would have been terrified if right <laughs> after my class, I'm jumping on the freeway, especially Vasco Road, Livermore to Brentwood for 40 minutes in rush hour. I could not have done it personally. I think I would have been too scared. Um, but if it's something that you're up to the challenge of doing, sure. Or if you're going to do the off-highway commute, which I think was only like 10 minutes well, longer. Well, she also said eventually she will be ah. doing that. So there could be a oh. transition period between ah. learning how to ride and freeway. I remember yeah. the first time I got on the freeway, I was a little bit nervous about going fast. Yes. Just because the first time, I mean, the first time I got in a car, I think I was going five yeah. miles per hour. And I was panicked because it was fast. It's just a relative feeling to never having that experience before. And likewise, on the bike, I think I was in, like, you know, first gear and uh, barely had any throttle. I'm like, oh, God. So, you know, it'll just take getting used to and it'll just depend on how long it takes for you to get comfortable before you want to start making that kind of trek. And, well, I mean, this is where Joanne and I are totally different. I'm way more crazy immersive after learning, so... Yeah, I hit more than just a little highway in traffic after I got my MSF license. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. just a comfort zone thing. I I would never, you know, I would never have finished that trip had I have been freaked out the whole time. Um, right. If I would have gone for like a weekend and realized, okay, yeah, this is not for me, I would have stopped. So just, yeah. you know, listen to yourself and your comfort zone. Like Joanne said, there's always going to be an option. It might be a little longer, but do you want to enjoy your commute? Or do you want to, you know, be fighting panic and nervousness while you're also fighting cars at the same time? So um, just, you know, do it when you're comfortable. Jump on the freeway. But, yeah, I think 500, today's 500cc motorcycle, that's more Mm -hmm. more than ample, I think. Yeah. 
I, I think so too. I, the only thing I will add is this. If you are a diehard cruiser person and you love cruisers and you, you want a Harley someday because that's the kind of riding you want to do, then I think this is the this is a great bike to get introduced to that lifestyle and then maybe move up to your dream, you know, Dino Wide Glide or a big 1,000cc, you know, cruiser someday. And that's where you want to end up as a rider. Then by all means, I think this is great. My contention is when you do aspire to ride something taller, like maybe you want to get into adventure riding someday, or maybe you want to ride sport bikes someday. That's where short cruisers, I think, really hold you back, especially as someone who's 5'3", 140. I'm 128, 130, so I'm about in your height and weight. That I can tell you from experience that if I started on something short and flat, there's no way I could be riding what I'm riding. There's just absolutely no way I could get away with riding a bike that weighs 400 pounds and I'm on my tiptoes. I don't think I'd have the confidence to do that. And so if you have any aspirations to ride a sport bike, which are taller because they need more clearance for leaning and, um, you know, lean angle, max lean angle, I would highly recommend that you start on something, frankly, a little taller and lighter. Um, I have a sticky on my blog. It's called Motorcycles for Short Riders, which is really not true because it's not really the best motorcycles for short riders. But it's my running list of bikes I've thrown a leg over and ridden without shortening anything or any uh, other assistance. It, the point is, is that if you if you limit yourself to something that you can only flat foot, you'll probably never be able to push yourself out of that comfort zone to then ride something that you're tiptoeing, literally. Because when you're five, two, or three, you will always tiptoe something. And the only way that us shorties can ride big bikes is we have to force ourselves to ride bikes that we don't think we can ride, like taller, lighter sport bikes. Because we, we have no choice. Because me, if you know, being this height... All you're ever told is, well, you got to buy something you can flat foot. You can't ride something you can't flat foot. And that's stupid because then I would never be able to lean over my sport bike or I'd be still riding a Ninja 250. Even that I couldn't flat foot. Mm -hmm. That's my only um, caveat, I think, to a bike like this is you have to make sure that this is the lifestyle I think you want or be prepared to try something different. Well, my counter to that would not necessarily be anything to do with lifestyle because I actually, the first motorcycle I rode here was the 500cc Kawasaki mm -hmm. Vulcan. And obviously I was not going down that path for lifestyle choices, but it just happened to be an inexpensive motorcycle that landed in my lap at the right time that I needed something reliable and something that I felt comfortable mm -hmm. on after I was on like a, a tiny off-road that definitely wouldn't have flown at all on an LA freeway. You can't do 200 cc's on a LA freeway. I think the, the top speed on that thing was like 60 kilometers an hour before you got some crazy shake to it. So um, I started out on a cruiser and I would say that somewhat going along the lines of what you were saying, limiting yourself, I was on a a riding plateau. In other words, like my skill set plateaued for quite some time. And that was mostly me by not going out and taking additional courses and 
uh, riding different types of motorcycles, in my opinion, when I had that whole plateau experience. And part of it was also that motorcycle because at a certain point I kind of grew out of it and decided, okay, I kind of want to be on something a little more sporty or I want to be on something a little taller and I want to think like I can, you know, lean around the corner or go off road. You know, I, I needed a little more diversity in the kind of riding style that my motorcycle could accommodate. And so that was when things started to change a little bit for me. Um, I wouldn't say that I would go with what you were saying on challenging myself if I had a shorter inseam on the first bike because that definitely would not be a good way for me to start out. Just my feeling is that the only time I've ever been quote-unquote challenged inseam-wise was on the mm-hmm. uh, 800 GSA, and that's like a 35-inch tall seat. And mm-hmm. there is no way in hell I would ever have started out on a motorcycle feeling that way because that would have made me like very nervous, and I think I would be uh, have had a lot of mental blocks to learning. So my my two cents on what you had said is, you know, just learn the basics, learn comfort, get some confidence on something that you can flat foot. There's no harm in that. Um, if it's not necessarily something that you want to stick with, and you might not know that right now. Right now, it might be comfortable. It was your first bike you were on. You kind of formed a little bit of an attachment maybe to it during the class. Mm -hmm. It seems kind of cool. It's definitely a decent price. I think I got my 500 uh, Vulcan, which they no longer make, um, for probably about like 4,500 or five grand. So it's Mm the same ballpark. Um, it's not something you have to stick with. You can definitely, um, you know, swap bikes if down the road this isn't kind of your thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I would say to what Joanne was saying, definitely try lots of different motorcycles. Once you have your confidence up and you're, you've got the basics down, try a bunch of different bikes. If someone asks you, hey, you know, uh, if you want, you can ride mine. And you feel comfortable with doing it because the problem was that it's, it was – a comfort thing for me as well as, oh, my God, what happens if I drop this guy's bike? You know, mm-hmm. it was all of those fears that whole time that prevented me from riding other motorcycles. And really, once I started riding other bikes and then really kind of, oh, so that's what they mean when they say this or that, that I really started to tweak my riding style a little bit. And then I, you know, took a couple of classes, mostly dirt and off-road stuff. But I think... um just in a period of a year after basically flatlining my skill set, I improved a lot. I felt like I improved greatly. So that would be my take on on what you were saying about the cruiser lifestyle. <laughs> I I definitely see your point. You have a very good point that I mean there's there's definitely nothing wrong with finding a bike that you can flat foot to get comfortable because you need that confidence. Yeah. Um I guess just be open mm-hmm. like later when you're ready to transition or if you want to transition to something totally different in a completely different riding lifestyle from a cruiser to a sporty or to a cafe or just something different that be open to the possibility of not necessarily flat footing every single bike you Absolutely. may ride later and that no, you, you're not limited by to that. Right, right and by riding the bolt the not the bolt by riding that street for a little while you'll feel so good on that that hey, what's the big deal if I lose half an inch on this next bike? Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. Oh, I'm on the ball of my feet. Well, whoop-de-doo, big deal. Yeah. Hopefully you'll get that confidence to where that won't 
feel as good. Yeah, I think um, I think it's probably just familiarity for her. But yeah, I yeah. mean, like jo- I think Joanne's ultimate point was uh, don't feel that you need to go down a certain genre of motorcycles. The one in particular that you know she's talking about being cruiser because it's usually a uh, heavier, albeit lower seat height bike. Don't feel mm-hmm. obligated to select that particular style of motorcycle if you if you're thinking that that's the only thing that can accommodate you because of yes. your inseam. Um, yes, that exactly. Yes. So that's yeah, there are exactly there what are plenty of there are plenty options, better than I. But hey man, I mean I that that yeah. worked out perfect for me. The no, Cowie actually was a, a really good learner. It was super forgiving. Yeah. But at a certain point the whole forgiving nature of that motorcycle. And it was actually a really nice commuter because my commute was, yep. uh, at the time I owned it, about 35 miles one way. No, I almost bought one. <laughs> I almost bought a Cruiser. I was really close to buying a Rebel because I took that in the class yeah. and I really liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot and I wanted to buy one. But when I told Evan what I wanted, he's like, no, we should buy this instead because we only had one bike to buy mm-hmm. and it was going to be his bike. So therefore he got the choice you got to make the choice because at the time i still had that scooter Mm -hmm. but i love the idea of learning on this rebel and he's like no we got to get the ninja 250 it's a better motorcycle and he was right it was a much it is a much better 250 in head to head and i'm so glad he made me do that because it totally shaped my ability to ride other things later um the last month i think i hit my peak i rode the tallest heaviest bike i've ever ridden was that versus it's 33 and a half inch seat height mm. maybe th- yeah and it weighs like 450 i mean it's really top heavy like super top heavy gas tanks on top um, right yeah and it's four cylinders oh so yeah so it's heavier than yours he doesn't have a low seat because my coworker's got he's tall he's got all leg and i rode it i didn't fall over it wasn't easy because the foot peg kept hitting my leg and where i wanted to put my foot down uh. so it, it was a lot of very conscious stopping and starting yeah. it really like was really i had to be really precise how much fun was um, it like overall you know it was actually really comfortable i could i see why he likes it because it's a great commuter mm-hmm. if you want something to tour on and commute on it's actually great it's comfy the ergonomics are perfect. You know, your elbows are bent in the right place. Your knees are bent in the right spot. Um, he had the stock seat and your seat, your seated position is perfect. I actually thought it was really comfortable. It's, it, it makes a great sport tourer, um, but it's definitely very top heavy. For someone like me, it's very top heavy. I couldn't ride that every day, but I actually enjoyed it. And I thought it had plenty of power. I mean, it's a 650 but I'm used to 650 twins. I thought it was fabulous. The Versus I, I is a 650? Mm-hmm. Do they make it in his a thousand is, too? Yes. Okay. But they later do make year. It. His okay. is, yeah, his is like a 2010 or so, nine. So you're I think. saying it's a 650 and it's a four cylinder? Yeah, sorry, 650 four cylinder. Yeah. Wow. Right? No. Versus that seems wait a, minute. a little too heavy for a 650. Wait a minute. Versus is twin. Yeah. I would say maybe, you know, if anything, a thousand might be four cylinder, but. Uh, no, I think you're right. Versus is the twin. I had that wrong. The 650 is, 650 is a twin. Um, but the top heavy makes it feel heavy Yeah. for someone like me. Cause it's, I'm so much closer to the tank. It just feels like it's all up here. Um, but it was great. Like I actually had fun on it. I don't think I'll ever ride it again. Um, 
just because the peg posi- the foot peg position was so awkward. It was just, it's in the spot you don't want it when you put your foot down. Like, it's dangerous. Where And I was wearing my CDs. So I was, like, really, really losing height there. I had very little vertical height. Um, yeah. But I made it home. I had to immediately get off to park it. There's absolutely no way I could have at all backed it up, which is fine, which is what I did. But it was great. So I... You know, I felt like I felt like I really accomplished a lot there because there, there's just no way I ever imagined I yeah, could ride so something the, like that. The one that you were on, the 650 is a parallel twin and the 1000, mm-hmm. like I suspected, is the inline. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's a great bike. He likes it a lot. Cool. He seems to enjoy it. Yeah, the only reason I asked how much fun it was for you is if if you weren't in a situation where you were constantly like putting your foot down in traffic, then I imagine mm-hmm. it would be more fun. But if you were stuck, yes, if you were stuck riding that yeah. thing for a limited time and you had to constantly put your foot down, it would be such yes. an exercise, such a mental exercise <sighs> that every time you slow down, you're like, okay, I got to plan this out. Where am I going to put my foot? Is there a <laughs> pothole? I can't put my foot down. If there's a pothole there. Yes. Like that was how it was whole, for me yes. on that BMW. And I was just like, I can't deal with this. I did one commute with it. And I was like, um, hi, do you guys have a lowered seat over at the fleet? Because I, I'm not going to be able to do this for three weeks. Like yes. I just, uh, and my driveway. Yes. Well. And a low, a low seat is almost always an option. It's like, why spend the money and time to lower your bike? Get a low seat. Cause that sometimes drops yeah. you down exactly where you need it. And a lot of times the ergonomics on the seats will totally completely change your world and your perception because some of them are scooped funny some of them are like pushed back and and some are just not right manufacturers now are offering lowered seat options instead Mm -hmm. of having to go with aftermarket which is great because yeah theoretically speaking that would mean that every dealership you go to should have a lowered seat option on hand Mm -hmm. so that they can swap it out for you so that you know exactly the difference that it makes and bmw is they do that with almost every model. It seems they have a low seat yeah. and the GSs and the RTs and the F700 yeah, and, I gotta and the tell F8s. You, it's, uh, it's not for women. It's not necessarily for women. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of guys that lowered seat. So, well, the one I rode on was actually comfy, mm-hmm. but the ergonomics were wrong for me. It just, my knees were in the wrong place. My hip hurt. It was all wrong for me personally, but the seat itself was comfy. Like I didn't, I thought it was cushy and everything, but there's so many ways to explore, um, the height other than lowering it. So if you're considering lowering, at least explore these other options. So you don't lose out on that clearance and the height, uh, cause it really does make a difference in, in handling. The other thing I wanted to share was these fun insoles I ordered on amazon.com. Hmm. They, they offer you, um, multiple options of a lifted heel. So it's like a Dr. Scholl's, but the heel is almost an inch high. It's like three quarters of an inch high. And then they come with two more pieces. So then you could add like a Tom Cruise lift and go from like, five four to five seven (laughs) like you can really gain i mean true it's going to be in the heel because the front of it is not thick it's just the heel um so that could can be a little uncomfy inside but i mean fifteen dollars it's it's a unisex insole Hmm. we'll post a link to it it's pretty neat it's not as comfy as my super feet insole if you ever use super feet, you know how comfy they are. Mm-hmm. But it's not bad. 
I think maybe if I break it in a little bit more, it'll be great. But I just put it in at the lower level and I have a little height, which is kind of cool. So this is another way you can add some height in your boot and not have to lower. So maybe the combination of an insole and a seat, a low seat, you'll gain immediately gain height. And that's a much cheaper way to go than lowering links and having to um, pay someone to change your bike around. So this is another hmm. great way to get just a little bit, you know? Yeah, because think about it. Most of the time we put the balls of our feet down and we just, you know, we want that, try to get the whole foot down. But if the heel's lifted, then when you put your ball down, your foot's closer to the ground. So for me, how it makes a difference is when I put my left foot down, instead of having to slide my whole butt off the seat, pretty much, like I have to really shift my butt cheek now I just put my foot down. So it's just one less shift I have to make to make my left flat. It doesn't by any means get me closer to flat on this bike. I'm still on my toes. Instead of tippy toe though, now I'm kind of like toe. I mean, still still the edge of my toes. But for me, the one left makes a huge difference. If you can get one flat left, that makes it more stable. Um, it also relieves the lower the pressure on my lower back, just because like you know if you're trying to shift your butt to the side, and then your back kind of like is bent funny, and then it can strain your back a little. So check those out. You just trim them to fit your shoes. You get one point three inches to two point six. So you can add one point three inches or two point six inches. Good times. Well, that's all I got on this side. Me too. We thank you for coming back for 70. We're sorry it's so late. I guess we did end up having things to talk about. I don't know what we'll come up with for next episode, but let's see. Two weeks will be the end of August, um, borderline. So we'll definitely get a show in before I leave for my trip. Mm -hmm. And then, well, actually, we got to get in before you leave. So we'll definitely get one more in. We leave it we'll about try to get one more time. in. Yeah, so we'll definitely try to get one in the first week of September. Until then, we hope you'll visit us at motorific.com, at facebook.com slash motorificmedia, at instagram.com, facebook.com slash motorificpodcast. So many things. Instagram.com slash motorificmedia. And gear Twitter. Oh, and gear Well, I just feel like, why even tell everybody that? They already know. Um, <laughs> gear check everywhere. ADV Goddess on Twitter. Send us an email. Motorific at Gmail. We'll hit you back. Thank you. We will talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.